64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Hello, and happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor S.F. Walker. I am here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week, as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. And today, we look at Get Out of Your Head, Stopping the Spiral of Toxic Thoughts by Jeannie Allen. In this video, we look at something truly incredible, if you think about it. How can something we can't see control so much of who we are, determine what we feel, and what we do, and what we say or don't, dictate how we move or sleep, and inform what we want, what we hate, and what we love. How can the thing that houses all those thoughts, just a bunch of folded tissue, contain so much what, of what makes us who we are? Learning to capture our thoughts matters, because how we think shapes how we live. Stick around till the end. I will share with you some tools I haven't used that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. I will share some tools to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. We have bought the lie that we are victims of our thoughts. Rather than warriors equipped to fight on the front lines of the greatest battle of our generation, the battle for our minds. Did you know that more has been discovered about our minds in the last 20 years? Then in the old time before that, did you know that an estimated 60 to 80% of visits to primary care physicians have a stress-related component? Did you know that research shows that 75 to 98% of mental, physical, and behavioral illness comes from one's thought life? Did you know? that what we know about the brain today, when scripture is talking about the heart, it really could be talking about the mind and the emotions we experience in our brain. Our emotions were leading us to thoughts, and those thoughts were directing our decisions, and our decisions are determining our behaviors, and then the behaviors were shaping our relationships, all of which would take us back to either healthy or unhealthy thoughts. Our lives are becoming 
defined by this endless cycle. Depressing, unless there's a way to interrupt it. The reality is that our emotions are a byproduct of something else. Our emotions are a byproduct of the way we think. What if I told you that one beautiful, powerful thought could shift this chaotic spiral of your life for the better every time you thought it? What if you could grab hold of one truth that would quiet the flurry of untruths that has left you pow feeling powerless over your brain? One thought to think. Could you do that? Such a thought exists. The greatest spiritual battle of our generation is being fought between our ears. What we believe and what we think about matters, and the enemy knows it. And he's determined to get in your head, to distract you from doing good, and to sink you so deep that you feel helpless, overwhelmed, shut down, and incapable of rising to make a difference for the kingdom of God. The thing is, I've always believed lies, and not just believed them, but built entire chapters of my life around them. I'm pretty sure the same is true for you. One of these three lies we believe, I am helpless, I am worthless, I am unlovable. Still, when it comes to the moments I needed faith, I would choose it. My spiraling thoughts were dragging me into exhaustion. Doubt steals hope, and with no hope, everything that matters doesn't feel as important anymore. Have you ever been confronted with something so hard or heavy that it made you question everything you have believed? The spiritual person is led by truth, even when the spiritual person has been in the dark for what seemed a very, very long time. You can, in fact, change in an instant. Now, science proves we can. Our brains are full of neural pathways, some shallow and moldable, and some grooves dug deep from a lifetime of toxic thoughts. Based on that 30,000 thoughts a day in 16 waking hours, we might think about 31 thoughts per minute. What if one thought held the power to interrupt our spirals and bring peace to our mental chaos? The big picture here is this. We have chaotic thought lives. These thoughts often lead to wild emotions, true? Emotions that tell us how to behave. These behavior dramatically affect our relationships, continuing the downward spiral we looked at previously, what we are saying then. Is that how we think directly results in how we live. Now, this may sound terrifying, but in fact, it is exciting. This is what I know why we may not be able to take every thought captive in every situation we face every day. We can learn 
to take one thought captive, and in doing so, affect every other thought to come. So what is the one thought that can successfully interrupt every negative thought pattern? It is this. I have a choice. That is it. The singular interrupting thought is this one. I have a choice. You have a God-given, God-empowered, God-redeemed ability to choose what you think about. You have a choice regarding where you focus your energy. You have a choice regarding what you live for. I have a choice. We're not subject to our behaviors, genes, or circumstances. We're not subject to our passions, lusts, or emotions. We're not subjects to our thoughts. We have a choice because we are conquerors who possess weapons to destroy strongholds. Now, we rarely get to choose our circumstances, but we have a choice about what we think and how we think about those sometimes challenging things. What do you fixate on? You know your fixations. It is the thing you constantly think about. Our fixations come out in our words, in our feelings, and in our decisions. They are the focus of the books we read, the podcasts we subscribe to, the websites we scroll, the groups we join, and the obsessions we pursue. Are you fixated on the fear that your kid will someday rebel? You're going to read a lot of parenting books. Are you anxious about getting sick or not being uber-healthy? You will listen to tons of health podcasts and spend a small fortune on essential oils. When we are willing to take the initiative here, some pretty cool stuff starts to unfold. When we think new thoughts, we physically alter our brains. When we think new thoughts, we make healthier neural connections. When we think new thoughts, we blaze new trails. When we think new thoughts, everything changes for us. Dr. Dan Siegel, professor of clinical psychiatry, where attention goes, he wrote, neural firing flows and neural connection grows. Patterns you thought were fixed are actually things that with mental effort can indeed be changed. We're not passive in all this activity of mind and awareness. What we think about, our brains become what we fixate on, is neurologically who we will be. You want in on a secret? That stuff is true for you too. You and I redirect children all the time. Why don't we redirect ourselves first? Of course, we have to remind ourselves that change is possible. Let me say this again. We have a choice. And the more often we grab hold of that truth, the easier it will be to interrupt the downward spiral of our thoughts. 
you may find that some thoughts, once interrupted, will simply lose their power. God can do this. Other thoughts, however, may require daily capturing and redirecting, or hourly, and in some cases more often than that. But those deadly thoughts can be captured. They can be contained. They can be set free from the steepest of the spirals. We can learn to mind our minds. We can live as we have a choice in this matter, because we do. In fact, we have a choice. When we think thoughts that lead to life in peace, we don't just get better thoughts, we get more of God. We begin by being aware of what we are thinking about, by zeroing in on the thought and identifying it for what it is. Evil never wants to be noticed. I should mention here, it sneaks in and hijacks our mind, and we barely notice anything is amiss. I barely noticed anyway. So I vote for noticing, for thinking about what we are thinking about. Remember, the greatest spiritual battle of our generation is being fought between our ears. This is the epicenter of the battle. Every great or a horrible act we see in history and in our lives is preceded by a thought. And that one thought multiplies into many thoughts and develops into a mindset, often without even realizing it. Our goal is to be aware of our thoughts and deliberately build them into mindsets that lead to the outcomes we want and the outcomes God wants for us. One God-honoring thought has the potential to change the trajectory of both history and eternity. One of the greatest truths of the enemy is confusion. When we are confused, he wins the day. Every toxic thought, spiring emotional cycle, is a trap of the enemy we fall for. And somehow, deep down, it involves a wrong belief about God. There are so many ways we avoid silence, so many types of noise we choose to fill the gap and the voids in our soul. Social media is just the obvious one. We keep music playing in the car or streaming through our headphones. We pack our schedules with all the good things we think we should be doing. We juggle committees and demanding jobs we try to keep up with the unrealistic number of friends, yet we feel isolated. What is it that we are running from? We have a choice between chaos and quiet, between noise and solitude with God, between denial and healing, because humans Never stay in neutral. We are either moving towards something or moving away from something. 
The antidote from running from ourselves is running to the only one who helps us get over ourselves. The lie is that we will be shamed. How many times have we created entire storylines based on the worst-case scenarios? How often have we imagined someone's anger towards us simply because of a sideway glance that had nothing to do with us? We build entire narratives that begin to take on lives of their own based on assumptions and our overactive imaginations. And all of this because we attempt to fear. We attempt to worst-case scenario. It has been said, and I do think it's true, that the most valuable asset we possess is our attention. Which begs the question, to what are we attending? Are we attending to our doubts? Or are we attending to the truth that never changes? Are we attending to our need for control? Or are we attending to God's plan for us, even if chaos breaks into the present reality? See, part of your brain that activates when you feel rejected or uninvited by a friend is the same part of your brain that fires when you are in physical pain. Maybe this is why breakups and severed friendships literally hurt. When you and I isolate, we switch into self-preservation mode. We may respond more harshly to a friend who says that wrong thing at the wrong time. Or we might get defensive when a co-worker gently critiques our project. Loneliness can make us think that everything is a threat, even if there is no real threat to be found. Loneliness has been linked to heart disease. No one wants to be my friend. No one ever reaches out. I do my part, but no one ever reciprocates. Nobody cares about me. Listen, giving thoughts such as these, space in your mind and in your heart, is giving the enemy a free pass. These things just are not true. The irony here is that many of the people you think don't care about you are feeling the very same way. They are worried that if they put themselves out there, they will be rejected. They're frustrated that nobody seems to be reciprocating. The care that they do extend, they are wondering if anyone wants to be friends with them. Which is why I am begging you, go be the botherer first. Reach out. Take the risk. Say what you are feeling. The beauty is evidence of something beyond ourselves. Beauty is evidence of a world yet to come. Beauty is evidence of a Creator who is loving and profoundly delightful. Beauty floods in 
and interrupts when, instead of cynicism, we choose trust. Now, I'm not justifying my behavior, but the truth is, I am going to make mistakes. I am going to be selfish and sometimes unthoughtful and short, and I am going to let someone down. I'm not going to want to do these things, but now and again, they will happen. I'm absolutely going to screw up. I recently read an article about problems that come with success. It includes this quote from a man who, by earthly standards, has achieved awesomeness. Imagine life has two barometers, he said. One is how the world sees you. The other is how you feel about yourself. As your worldly position rises, your self-image crashes. People abuse themselves with fine foods, drinks, drugs, or sex, so they can avoid getting too successful. Why do CEOs who are sitting on top of the world have problems with self-esteem? It is simple. People who feel like bags of shit overcompensate and act like gods of creation. True humility comes when, in the light of God, we have seen ourselves to be nothing, have consented to part with and cast away self, to let God be all. An amazing thing happens when we cast away self, which is that we then have space to consider others, when we're not busy being consumed with our own selves. We notice other people in the world, people we might be able to serve. We see them with fresh perspective. We see their fragility and their need. Your own spiritual beauty may be very much measured by what you can see in other people. The truth is, our hearts aren't really after power, they're after joy. And the perception we buy into is that somehow joy will come when we have power. Joy comes when we put the emphasis where it belongs, on God's awesomeness, not our own. Why does it matter that we choose service instead of complacency. How does taking initiative for the good of the other help us redirect our thoughts? What is in store for people and persons who serve consistently? Should we ever pay attention to our own problems, or are we supposed to just pretend they don't exist? What if we're tired? What if we're overwhelmed? What if we don't feel like doing good? Do we just fake it till we make it? Or is there a more authentic path? Intuitively, we understand this to be true. I mean, admit it. It may feel satisfying to binge on chips and salsa while scrolling social media feeds for an hour, or two, or three. But, at some point, don't you become just as antsy and itchy as I do? Doesn't your soul start screaming for something more? 
You know what our souls are saying to us? They're saying this just isn't cutting it for me. Of course it's not cutting it for you. Because as long as you focus on you, it will never be enough. The fact is, when we are serving others, subconsciously, when we seek to be served and have our needs met, research has proven that our brains actually do much better when we are on the giving end rather than the receiving end. Serving others reduces activity in the stress and the threat-related parts of our brain. People who live with purpose sleep better and they live longer. Serving others lights up a region that is part of the brain rewards system which helps us recognize and pursue things that bring us pleasure like a good meal, our encouraging interaction with a friend, or a hug from a trusted family member. In our small-minded human nature economy, we think that freedom means going our own way. The fact is, freedom is found in laying our lives down in service to God, the one who made us, who knows us, and who has welcomed us into the fellowship with Him. It is in this state of full surrender that the longing to obey rises up in us. Think of it as this. Obedience to God without full surrender is an exercise in robotically following the rules. Surrendering to God without obedience is the equivalent of faith with zero works. You can make mistakes. Mistakes we can fix. There's nothing that can happen without effort. You can choose to be grateful no matter what. You can choose to get out there and do something. Each thought you think matters a lot. Not speaking arbitrarily here, I'm speaking scientifically. Scientifically speaking, <coughs> every thought we think changes our brain. <clears throat> In each thought you think, those microtubules work hard to provide mental scaffolding to support that thought. That scaffolding gives structure to the entire nerve cell and in the truest sense alters your brain. Now guess how long it takes for a microtubule to finish the scaffolding that gives structure to the cell for create, from creation to completion. What is your guess? Ten minutes from the time you think a thought to that thought having physiologically, scientifically, indisputably changed your brain, ten minutes have elapsed. Your singular thought has enhanced some neural circuits and caused others to die off. It has awakened some neurons and allowed others to drift to sleep. It has built an entire microtubular city in some parts of your mind and left others in total ghost town mode. All from one simple thought. Before you spiral into despair, let's consider the other way. 
if you have made a habit of thinking negative thoughts, you're only 10 minutes away from a fresh start. A shift is possible through consciously, deliberately interrupting our spirals. And as we practice more, the shift becomes probable and then predictable and then utterly instinctive to us. Eventually, you get to a place where you don't even realize we are interrupting our negative thinking. The impulse has become so ingrained. Our thoughts dictate our beliefs, which dictate our actions, which form our habits, which compose the sum of our lives as we think, so we live. And there you have it. Get out of your head. Stop the spiral of toxic thoughts. Please do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too. Spread the word. Leave a comment and do share your thoughts. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below. So buy it. Read. Never stop learning, especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free humanist test on my website and find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. And if you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management and relationship management even further, do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. Links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.